Welcome to Clear Vision. Here we have exclusive up-close and personal conversations with legendary musicians. Our program is devoted to examining what makes people great. Needless to say, everyone has a unique story, a clear vision, and we're here to bring it to you. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Doug Bowder, and I've worked in the music industry most of my life as an educator, publisher, author, musician, and entrepreneur. I've had the honor of talking with some of the legendary names in the music business. And what I found is that indeed everyone does have a unique story, a clear vision on their journey to success. And who better to tell you about these stories than the musicians themselves, their aspirations, dreams, and the decisions they've made that have shaped their lives in music. On this episode, we talk with the late, great Maynard Ferguson. This is an interview I did back in 96 when Maynard Ferguson's big band was touring extensively throughout the world. What an amazing opportunity it was to spend the afternoon with this man. He was both kind and humble, yet he had an undeniable passion for his music and the art of jazz. Being a trumpet player, this interview has a special place in my heart. I remember when I was in high school in Southern California, a group of us went to see him play. It was our first time to see this great man. We were in awe. After the concert, we all worked our way to the front to meet him, and once we got there, one of my friends, Steve, yelled out, hey, we named our bowling team after you. And Maynard looked at Steve and said, really? And he said, yeah, Fergie's gang. And Maynard replied, you should have brought me a shirt. I would have signed it. Now, what a cool reply to a bunch of nerdy kids. I now know that's just the way he was. When I graduated Berklee College of Music, his son had just begun there. Unfortunately, we never crossed paths. So let's get this rolling. Maynard, thank you for being with us today. Thank you. What a great thrill it is to speak with you. You're one of the great lead trumpet players of all time. So what trumpet players influenced you? When we talk about lead players, you know, uh... Uh, and who was my influence? Uh, of course, there are, are so many uh, great solo trumpet players, and uh, uh, I'd have to name, uh, of course, uh, Dizzy Gillespie and Miles Davis currently, but uh, uh, when I was nine years of age, my mother gave up the fact that, uh, uh, that she was thoroughly beaten and that I was not going to become the next Isaac Stern and uh, become a concert violinist. So uh, she went out as a good mother would and uh, bought all the good uh, jazz trumpet records that she could find, and of course it was all those uh, Roy Eldridge and uh, uh, rather than naming all of them, all the great trumpet players that came out of the Ellington Band, and uh, of course Bix Beiderbeck and uh, uh, Bunny Berrigan, and of course Louis Armstrong, and uh, uh, so I had a tremendous collection uh, uh, of records and uh, things like that that were uh, a part of my uh, uh, beginning influence, and then the fact uh, that I'd come from the conservatory meant I was uh, a good sight reader and all kinds of uh, academic things like that uh, uh, from having started uh, on piano and violin when I was uh, four years of age. Uh, so uh, uh, the classical part of my uh, training uh, has always uh, uh, been something that I've been very happy to have had. A huge part of what you do is music education. You work with schools throughout the U.S. and Canada. 
you talk and you demonstrate to younger musicians about the importance of jazz and musicianship. Why is that so important to you? Well, I think uh, music education uh, might have something to do with my father and mother having been uh, uh, school principals and teachers, therefore. But uh, it's just something where I feel that uh, I came out of uh, 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 bands where I learned from other musicians. And there was a lot more of what I call street learning uh, going on then. You learned how to play jazz by going to jam sessions, and you learned to ha how to play your instrument uh, by uh, going to a conservatory or to a music school. And uh, But jazz was a forbidden uh, word in Montreal, Canada back in uh, the 1940s, where now uh, I understand that the uh, um, a French Conservatory of Music in Montreal, Quebec, Canada has a great jazz program there now, as well as a classical program. And uh, uh, so it's only natural, I suppose, that I should enjoy the fact that uh, uh, I've seen so many young uh, players come into my band and uh, they're already developed uh, tremendously anyway, but develop even further and go on to being great leaders uh, in their own right. And uh, a great example that I love of the diversity of learning that can happen within my band is uh, at one point, Greg Bissonette was my drummer, great drummer. He's on the uh, live from uh, the Great American Music Hall in San Francisco. He left my band and became a rock star playing drums with David Lee Roth. And uh, at the same time, at the end of that same tour, uh, Rick Margitza uh, left the band and immediately uh, uh, joined Miles Davis and his group, uh, where he was until he uh, uh, formed his own group and became the, uh, I think he had a number one selling uh, jazz album, I believe on Blue Note, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, uh, so the, uh, uh, that kind of a thing is very rewarding uh, to me. I always do my own thing during the concerts and recordings, but uh, it's always a great pleasure to me uh, to present young great players on my band, even trumpet players. Maynard, you work with some great people, both in front of the mic and behind the mic. What traits do you look for when you're choosing a producer? Well, the question there uh, that was fun was what I look for in a producer. You know, I look for musicianship first and ears, um, because uh, uh, if you're in uh, any one of these great studios like this one here or where you are, I assume, uh, uh, the engineer knows so much of the technological thing. I don't mean that a producer doesn't have to know a lot of high-tech things, uh, but without great ears and an appreciation for the direction that you're taking that particular project or album in, uh, that uh, then he's the wrong producer for you. Uh, I suppose uh, if it's a, a money project, as I tend to call them, uh, where the producer is really building the album on his own and in a sense is really the artist. Uh, that's a whole different ball of wax, but uh, uh, if he's producing somebody uh, who is an artist with a definite uh, artistic line that he wishes to take within one project, uh, then uh, his goal is to make that project even greater than the artist imagines.
Being an international entertainer, how do people react different to your music within different parts of the world? Okay, first, that's a wonderful question to answer for me. Uh, first of all, I'm a teacher of uh, Western music, that's all our kinds of music, uh, at the uh, Sri Satya Sai Baba Institute of Higher Learning. Uh, that's the finest school system in all of India, and uh, it's a very spiritual place. Uh, Sai Baba is the spiritual leader of about, I don't know, 20 million people. Uh, and it's very ecumenical, and the school is run in a very ecumenical way, meaning uh, 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 Hindu, Christian, Muslim, uh, uh, all the faiths and uh, are embraced there. And uh, so uh, uh, that has to do a lot with the fact that we also do so much foreign traveling. And uh, I think a great way to say it is uh, uh, we all were uh, delighted to hear that Miles had played so well uh, at the uh, uh, Montreux Jazz Festival this year, and uh, that's what Quincy Jones conducting. I'm sorry I wasn't there to hear it, but at the same time, what I loved is they they expressed the fact uh, that starting next year it would no longer be called the Montreux Jazz Festival. It would be called the Montreux Jazz and World Music Festival, and that's what happening. For instance, on some of the uh, uh, on one or two of the cuts that uh, uh, I'm hoping we'll play uh, on the program here. Uh, uh, two of them are a fusion of jazz, uh, uh, a slight fusion of rock, but mostly uh, a heavy fusion of uh, Indian music. Chalanata uh, is, is one, and another is Ganesha Sharnam. And uh, the other one that's, that I, even I can't pronounce, I think it's called Ganga Jatara. And uh, that's why we changed the name on the album to Om Sairam. So uh, the international thing is really what's happening in our music today, and uh, I'm most delighted with that. I think it's uh, uh, great to see the, uh, the jazz truly is a world music. When we think of great trumpet players that came out of Cuba, uh, uh, those guys are going to be guests on my next album, incidentally. I'm talking about the great Arturo Sandoval and uh, Paquito de Rivera, uh, who came out of that great Iracari group that uh, left Cuba. And um, uh, those guys are going to be a guest of mine. So uh, uh, not only do I like to present the young people uh, that uh, are within my band, but uh, uh, my next album uh, is something I'm really excited about because uh, I'll be having guests that have uh, already agreed to be on the album. They're all great friends of mine, of course. I'm talking about B.B. Uh, 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 King and uh, um, uh, Carmen McRae and, uh, of course, Sundaval and Paquito, and, uh, uh, and of course the tenor player from uh, uh, Grover, Washington, uh, who's uh, uh, such a wonderful player. So there's a, uh, it's going to be uh, quite a, Maynard Ferguson, his big bop nouveau band, and uh, some of his very favorite uh, players and friends. I don't know if that's too big a, a title for the album, but we'll think about that later. As you mentioned earlier, jazz encompasses a wide variety of styles. What styles of jazz do you find the most enjoyable and the most challenging? Uh, when you say the most challenging uh, uh, kind of jazz, I'm, I think it's all equally challenging to me. Uh, I think one of the things that I'm enjoying right now 
uh, is um, I just wrote a thing with uh, Christian Jacob, uh, who's that award-winning um, uh, jazz pianist from France, and um, uh, he's just a tremendous player and writer, and uh, he and I have uh, written a thing uh, that specializes, for instance, in, uh, uh, and of course, jazz, but, but also in uh, the lost art of classical improvisation. And for some reason, uh, you know, well, I think uh, just as jazz in the early years uh, was intimidated by the classical world, uh, the, thing, uh, the thing then turned around the other way. And uh, well, we saw no courses being taught in classical improvisation at uh, practically any of the uh, uh, leading conservatories. This is throughout the world. And, and yet, what a great art it was. I always said that Bach probably uh, could uh, have sat down if we'd have had uh, Walkmans in those days. Uh, he'd have had a hundred times uh, of more wonderful compositions because I'm sure he just sat down and played them. And uh, uh, that, that's another new thing uh, that I, uh, that it, uh, that's sort of a pet project of mine and has been for a while, the art of classical improvisation. It's a fact that during your live performances, you play for almost two hours sometimes. <laughs> That's really unusual for a brass player, and even more unusual for someone playing the demanding sets that you play. Do you ever get fatigued? Uh, okay, that's a, a great question, and, and it has to do with uh, uh, breathing, breath control, being healthy, and all that sort of thing, because of course the first question I get in any of my teaching things is always about range, and stamina and uh, to do that you know when i'm home i uh, start the day with 100 laps of the pool and uh, and i've done that for many many years and uh, the thing about it is that uh, 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 most people talk about how strong my lip is but that's the most overrated thing when they talk about trumpet uh, players they uh, if we would depend on on the muscle uh, uh, that is within the, uh, the tissue of the lips, uh, so to speak, uh, we wouldn't last very long. It's really, uh, um, uh, in Eastern terms, we would talk about prana and pranayama and the development of air, uh, energy and the life force being air, you know, and um, uh, things of that nature. But uh, uh, I always advise um, young players to go out and uh, either buy a book called The Science of Breathing or, uh, or, or buy a book on Happy Yoga and turn right away to the uh, breathing exercises in the book and anything that feels too far out to you, uh, just don't attempt it. Go for the things that feel comfortable for you because 
uh, when you're breathing correctly, which most people don't, by the way, um, when you're breathing correctly, it also helps uh, your nervous system. And uh, uh, a person who is nervous does not usually play very well and also is not very healthy. So uh, uh, you become healthier uh, by controlling your airstream and, and uh, you also become a better player and your mind is freer to be more creative and uh, you're just a happier person. And if you're a happier person, you definitely will play even better. You know, I wouldn't be much of an interviewer if I didn't ask you this next question. I have to do it, I'm sorry, but what is your upper range? Uh, no, we can talk about my range, and but when you talk about what it is, uh, I don't ever nail myself down. And in the old days, uh, uh, all the writers were so excited to know that they could write uh, double high C's and the occasional triple F and things like that when I was on the Kenton band uh, that we used to laugh because every writer would come in and uh, and if he was new and young uh, there'd be a triple F uh, there shirt and heck and uh, uh, all that kind of thing but actually that's just something uh, that I developed it came to me as a second nature and uh, like I say I was very lucky that I always automatically uh, breathed very correctly uh, uh, I'd like to tell you I was uh, a devout yoga when I was uh, nine years of age, but that's not, certainly not true. And that, uh, uh, but nonetheless, I recognize certain breathing techniques uh, that I have done all my career are exactly what uh, many people that uh, teach yoga breathing exercises uh, do. And they, uh, uh, I'm, I'm just very fortunate that, that I did it, for, but I always advise the young people uh, to get into that uh, type of thing because it's very healthy. Well, on behalf of all trumpet players everywhere and jazz enthusiasts, I want to thank you, Maynard, for this time together. It's been great. It was nice talking with you, and, um, and thanks for having me. That's a wrap for this interview with the late, great Maynard Ferguson. Hmm, what's coming up? Let me see. What's on the schedule? It looks like we have interviews from... Bill Chaplin and Peter Cetera, two major players over the years with the group Chicago, as well as their own solo project. And as promised earlier, we have a salute to film scoring with Danny Elfman and the late but never forgotten Henry Mancini. I hope you enjoy this exclusive interview with Maynard Ferguson on Clear Vision. If so, please subscribe so you can be notified of our upcoming content. Tell a friend and give us a five-star review. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Doug Bowder. See you next time.